Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hello. All right. What up? Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Mixed Company, episode 29. We're in our last moments <laughs> of our 20s. This is low-key, this is low-key, uh... This is What's the Kai episode. Bittersweet. Yeah, it's the Kai, motherfucking Kai episode. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always. Thanks for all the love that we actually got for last episode yes. with Goddess yeah, uh, talking about dope. Black Twitter. That part was extra, extra, extra dope and really excited um, that people listened and there were Twitter conversations and there were people pulling me to the side that uh, talking about it. So shout out to Goddess for Word. being the plug. Hey. Shout out to uh, everybody that commented on social media about the episode and about our conversations. And um, yeah, it was dope. Yeah. 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 Shout out to her for coming through. She brought, she came with the insights and all the good stuff. Yes. It was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Goddess. We love her. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely hear more from her. Absolutely. Uh, this episode is going to be kind of dope, right? We're going to get into corporate culture, agency culture, culture fit. All things culture a little later in the show. Obviously, I'm going to have all the things to say, as I'm sure you guys will as well. Um, a few things. We haven't had any alcohol, so I assume that we'll we'll keep it together <laughs> <laughs> until we get alcohol, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, let's start out with dope shit or ain't shit. Who Ooh. wants to start? I'm going to start because I have it. a balance. Go for it. So let's start with positive or end with the negative. Okay. Mm all right, so I'm going to give a shout-out to my friend, Natasha, for showing me around Texas. Tejas. Tejas. What part of Texas were you in? Houston. H-Town. Yes, H-Town going down. Yes, and I did get to see the house of Darion oh. that is owned by the beloved Beyonce. Absolutely. Like a real house? It's like a media house, and on like it's house of Darion. You know the Knowles own like half of Houston, <laughs> like I in real life. Oh, yeah, it's and, like real. And then on the side is a mural of Destiny's Child. The, yeah. the trio of Destiny's Child, not in, the quadruple. <laughs> in Darion outfits. Yes. Because that jumpsuit was popping back in the early 2000s. Did you make it down to Washington Street and, like, do all the Sunday fun day things and, like... I don't know where I was, but I went to a couple places. Did you places. make it to sli- Cyclones? Oh, no, girl. No? no? I went to Social Junkie, which is the yes. hopping spot. Yes. And then I went to Fox Hollow... Oh, which man, was you gotta man. go there oh, it was right. so fun i just go with all the cousins that are down there so it's always Fox a good Hollow time is it and then i went to austin and that was awesome as well that was cute well yeah. so are you moving to texas no <laughs> but shout out to all our listeners in texas uh, you know you showed yeah. me a dope time and shout out to my best friend like she really planned it out and i had a great time and meeting her friends and it was awesome awesome wonderful Awesome, yeah, you're awesome, a real awesome. mixy on the gram this weekend. Yeah, Listen, your pictures looked great. I have a confession. Oh. I learned how to play spades. <laughs> that's not a confession. Good for you. I mean, that's an accomplishment. That is yeah, an accomplishment. Is. <laughs> I really try to explain to people, like, 
if your family is not of African American descent, yeah, yeah. spades is not the game of choice that you played growing up. Nah. Like you had to learn that in school, you had to learn that from the homies, you had to learn that from a significant other. You were not learning that from your mama. Right. So it takes somebody else of American culture to teach us ver- first gens how to play that. I just had a very American Fourth of July, and I appreciate that. And I feel a little bit blacker. And I mean, so you know, do you feel like you could just roll up to? The I'm on amateur level, just, like, right? You know? So she's gonna be the default player for a while. <laughs> <laughs> they, like she's gonna be the last one left that actually wants to play, and people have to take her yeah, until she proves okay. herself. I will be a loyal partner. I kind of know what I'm doing, kind of, you know, oh, not to know. It's kind of like the playground. It is yes. kind of like the playground. You're definitely going to be last chosen so, until, until until you're I'm not. Good. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So my ain't shit is, um, so a couple of weeks ago, Sim and I went to a dev boot camp event to talk about diversity in tech. And it's, you know, when you go to these events, you're expected maybe you'll get some insight, you know, maybe you'll get something off of out of it. But it seems so flatlined, and maybe we'll talk about it for a future episode, but, you know, we kept getting answers, these, like, I don't know. Arbitrary. Arbitrary, like, stock photo answers about diversity. Stock photo answers. Okay. It was too (laughs) just... Okay. General answers just a waste of time. Right. I was like, I ain't never seen Karina throw such good shade, girl. I caught that one. It was great. It got dark in here, everything. Thank you for it. Mm. So, you know, they tried, but you know it was a miss. So that was my ain't shit. Sorry. Try better. Do better next time. I mean, you also were challenging them. You, you, I did. Karina stood up like three times and kept asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, literally, um, it was me. I have a follow up. Um, she's like, "Oh, nobody wants to talk." Okay, I'm gonna ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to the people in our row who, you know, supported me in my yeah. conversation and thanked me for my questions. We were though I did not get real answers. We were definitely in the black row. <laughs> yes. Everyone, everyone back there was like, "Nah, that's not real." <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, because I mean, we say it all the time. Like, I posted. Um, I I posted my article on mm-hmm, LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, I guess last week or whenever the hell I posted it, I don't remember. Yeah, no just upset. Are, are you your dope shit because we did not talk about. Yeah, that. we haven't. That's talked not about my that dope yet. shit. But it can be. It can be your dope shit. <laughs> 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 it's not. There's some doper shit that happened since then. But like, my point is, I'm. It's frustrating to hear people continue to have all of these panels and these meetings discussing diversity and inclusion and how to do it and yet still you're not offering any concrete solutions right or execution plans really and truly that's actually what we need instead we talk in circles about mm-hmm. what the people that feel um disenfranchised need to do to make themselves appear better and what the other people mm-hmm. that we're challenging to do better don't need to do because it's quote-unquote not their uh, that's not their problem. Right. It's everybody else's problem. So we sit here and we talk about it, and that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. So what what we need are plans. Like I don't want to go to another panel where we're not where you're talking about the problem and not okay. We're going to put a cap on everybody comes in making the same amount of money or. Everybody that we hire, we're just for for the sake of it, we're gonna make sure that we hire a person of every 
uh, background, color, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure that these people can hit these three milestones. If we're talking about cogni- t- cognitive diversity, you need to be able to speak to these three points or these, these ten points in order for you to be seen as somebody that can intellectually speak to multiple audiences. If you're not going to put things in place like that, and yes, guess what? The, the whole point of it is that people that were once before included will now quite frankly be excluded yeah in a way because no longer are you the bar the bar needs to be changed the bar that is set needs to be changed and I'm, I don't I'm not here to listen to people tell me that they don't know how to to fix diversity right. I, when you out here putting together campaigns in a day yeah you yeah. can fix everybody else's problem for multi-millions of dollars, but you can't even fix the 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 ten thousand dollar one that's in your goddamn agency. So no. I mean, I mean, and that's the best point, which is like diversity is a business problem, and so all of these agencies and companies approach businesses with the uh, with the claim that they can help them with their business problems and do it in a very strategic way. But when it comes to something as simple, because reality is, it's it's kind of simple. It's Fair hiring, fair... Or be honest. Like, be honest with it. Say, we don't believe that we need these people to be able to do X, Y, and Z job. Don't say, like, the worst is, yeah, we do have a diversity problem. Hmm. (laughs) No. We don't feel we have a diversity problem, so that's not where we're going to put our... Uh, our energy let's say that or we recognize we don't have a lot of people of color or we recognize that we service all of these product products but the people working on these products don't look like the people that we need to speak to and therefore we want to make that change and this is how we're going to do it yeah. instead we just talk in circles and blah 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 and let's change the name and let's make it easier for people to digest mm-hmm. and let's make diversity let's make it a rainbow it's not a rainbow it's a rainbow that's missing some things like right. color. It's a rainbow that's missing things like gender. It's a rainbow that's missing. What are you missing? Identify the problem and freaking fix it. Yeah, and if you don't know, you just admit that you don't know and look out to be resourceful. Find somebody that can do it for you. You know, I think yeah. part of the problem with that panel discussion was the fact that they weren't really acknowledging the problem, to you, to Kai's point. It was, it was real kumbaya. Like, it was real, well, like... Well, I had a problem with one of the guys. So, like, a lot of these people on the panel work in tech with the accept a, with an exception of a CEO, Melanie, from Hot Hijab. But um, he, like, he... This guy, I think he worked for Viacom, and he was like, we have a fear crew. And I was like, mm, that diversity, you know, to calm fears, like, having a fear crew, like... That sounds crazy to me. Why can't we? Because that's identifying the wrong problem. Right. Again, like, you're not challenging the inclusion piece of of diversity and inclusion. You're making it easier for you to talk about it. Right. The, The amount of people that I have heard get or say that they are uncomfortable speaking about diversity and inclusion, but baby they can come out their mouth they can say shit ass fuck bitch cunt all of these things but diversity and inclusion (laughs) are the words are the words that make people like recoil like coil up inside and that that's sad a fear crew what the fuck is that what are you doing about race right what oh imagine (laughs) actually having to live that life oh Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it just it just doesn't work. But I'm glad you were there to challenge it 
uh, uh, Karina and call them out on their ain't shitness. Yes. <laughs> Here's to more years of telling Amen. people they ain't shit for not trying to talk about real problems. I mean, Don't ask me about no brief until you know what your audience looks like, homeboy. Uh, I mean, that's why we're here. It is why we're here. Um, so like I said, that's my dope shit was not my article, but we can repost that under yes. the uh, SoundCloud. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless. I, I ain't shame. <laughs> mine, right? Um, mine is actually about Lucinda Chambers, who is the ex Vogue, a British Vogue editor, um, and her response to being fired um, from the magazine. So as you guys know, I am all here for all things petty. I truly believe that sometimes it is important to get some shit off your chest so that you can move <laughs> on with your life and Do just it. be great. You'll be great. And the people that piss you off will be great because they got rid of you and you got rid of the stress on your chest. And that's yeah. exactly what she did. Um, so recently, like I said, Lucinda was fired um, and she basically just came back and was like, listen, British Vogue ain't shit. Uh, the pictures of mine, the, the photography of mine that they used weren't always shit. The content in the magazine isn't shit. And while I recognize that the magazine is supposed to spark aspiration, instead of instead of sparking, as, uh, uh, instead of making people feel aspirational towards a lifestyle, they're bullying people to feel like they have to live up to this impossible lifestyle of, in her words, not mine, because I don't mind, um, I don't mind this Michael Kors top in this article, but shitty clothes from shitty designers that don't have any utility and cost too much money. Um, most <laughs> <laughs> literally what she was saying. First of all, she said she didn't even read the magazine for like yeah, how years. she don't even know. She said years. She didn't even like specify. So it could be 10. It could be five. It could be three. It could be two. It's a long time to not read any of the content coming out of the company that you work for. Right. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, she did say something that was less petty and just um, a reality. She was like, Essentially, maybe I was too close to it after working there for so long, but I never felt I led the vogue kind of life. The clothes are just irrelevant for most people and so ridiculously expensive. And then she goes on to talk about, I know glossy magazines are meant to be aspirational, but why not be both youthful? Yeah. I don't have a lisp. Why not be both useful and aspirational? That's the kind of ma fashion magazine I'd like to see. And as we go into discussing, as we continue to discuss diversity and inclusion, and also discuss what culture and culture fit actually means to the business, I think that's an important piece uh, to focus on. Useful, being useful and aspirational. Those don't have to be mutually exclusive. Aspirational doesn't mean that there's no utility. It just means that it's a next level. And if you can continue to be able to apply those aspirations or apply yourself towards those aspirations and actually achieve them, that's what makes it better for people. That's what makes it inclusive. That's what makes it diverse. I think what she's speaking about specifically is authenticity. And mm -hmm. it's that authenticity that people tend to um, negate as if somehow being classy, having class equals being rich. As if somehow being smart equals being a man. As if somehow being um, just intelligent all around, just intelligent, having money, having your shit together is equal to being in what our society deems as white. Like it's, it's beyond that. It's, it's about 
it's about the feeling it's about the energy it's about the authenticity that you're putting out into the world and how it's you how it's being used to change things so shout out to her shout out to all of the memes i think there was a um there's memes already there are memes there's a meme from um from um Waiting to exhale, the Angela oh, yes. Bassett Lewis, moment. Yes. There's an Angela Bassett <laughs> blowing up the car meme with Lucinda, and I'm like, yo, anytime you can apply Angela Bassett blowing up her husband or blowing up her husband's car in the driveway and walking away and flicking that cigarette away, like, I'm fulfilled. I'm happy. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for British Vogue. I'm happy for the people that are gonna learn their lessons, and I'm happy that. I'm happy that this is the kind of shit that gets put into the media right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're just went, not going to fire me and walk away. Yeah. We're actually going to have a discussion. Because didn't it go dark? It went dark for like a little bit after it was posted, and then they reposted mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was real shit. They got scared, and they were like, I mean, you know what, I, fuck it. <laughs> I, I, I skimmed through that, that arc early, and I just I feel like the, the part that said I was what you mentioned is that she hasn't read it. And so to me, like she was basically saying that this shit is not culturally relevant. Because she's she's part of this culture and and it almost felt like her gripes were kind of similar to a lot of people of color, creatives of color, where they're at the table but their input is not being taken mm-hmm. seriously and it's not being um, implemented in the work and that's kind of yeah. why she was just kind of like I feel like her response was like I've been checked out for a minute ever now because <laughs> y'all ain't really created anything that is relevant to me so. I'm just here to collect a check. And beyond that, like, it's not like she was one of the, it's not like she's underpaid. So she's not necessarily a part of that disenfranchised group there, right? It's right. a, it's a largely women's magazine. So obviously she's not in the minority. She's not of color. She, she ain't poor. We know that. But she hey. is, she is older. But she is older. Yes. Okay. So she is older. However, I feel like Vogue and magazines like that skew older anyway. We're not talking Cosmo. We're not talking Marie Claire. Are those even still? I don't even know. Yeah, they're don't still, they still with us. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about those magazines. We're talking about a more prestigious magazine that has been around for ages. So she, to me, her input about this magazine being irrelevant struck a chord because it's like, if you're the if you are the person taking the taking the images or creating and curating the imagery of what's making people go broke really yeah. trying to cure <laughs> like people are going broke to her point trying to make sure you have the perfect place setting people are out here maxing out credit cards making sure that they're buying the same um Gucci, shirt Gucci yeah. whatever that Alexa Chung is wearing on the cover of whatever magazine and she's like none of this matters that's authenticity so even at the height of your career you could give two shits about this fakery and fuckery that you're creating or that they're putting out there and the fact that you can look at your work and and honestly say that's not even my best work yeah y'all are, yeah. Ce- y'all are celebrating my subpar work she's a <laughs> how shitty. how whack are you <laughs> Y'all are whack as hell. Ooh, I've had Ella, that moment though. Listen, listen. She wrote this. <laughs> she went in. She let them have it. She let them eat that, it. That she let them sit on it for a little bit. <laughs> I was like, listen. I I want to know what that exit interview was like. <laughs> like, um, 
there probably wasn't. There probably wasn't one. There wasn't no, one. There that's wasn't why one. she said. And that's why she wrote that. I am mad she, at her. She got off her chest. I am mad. Listen, it's important. That was her Jay Z thirteenth album. Okay, four, four, four. Your turn. Oh, my turn. Uh, my dope shit for this week is kind of a shout out to one of my coworkers, uh, Planner. Uh, at my job, which shall forever remain nameless. Um, her name is Anuli. Uh, <laughs> wait. Um, <laughs> okay. I just, I don't know how she's going to forever remain nameless. No, I said but, my job. Which shall oh, 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 oh. I was like, well, we're going to. My employer. Oh, uh, your sponsor. Yeah. So um, my coworker, Anuli, and Akinebu. I just realized I never said her last name out loud. Um, but she has a personal project that she's working on called uh, Woman of Commerce. And basically what she's doing is she's going around New York City and she's curating uh, an interactive map of businesses owned by women of color. And it's basically like all five boroughs and she's highlighting all these women who are doing dope things. So if you would like to support um, businesses owned by specifically women of color, black, Asian, uh, Latin, you can go to her website, which is anulywashere.com, A-N-U-L-I, was here, um, and click on her personal projects and it's there, it's uh, Women of Commerce. And so I, I think one of the facts that she has laid out here is that New York City has Roughly uh, 359,000 women entrepreneurs who employ more than 190,000 people and generate $50 billion in annual sales. Whoa. So if we're talking about, you know, empowerment, women empowerment, I feel like one of the best ways you could do that is to support businesses. So shout out to her and her project, Women of Commerce. Um, and if I think she's taken to suggestions on uh, businesses to add or if you want to get involved and help her do dope shit with this uh, you should hit her up that's dope let's let's get her on here sometime soon before yeah. the year is over or whatever cool yeah. she let's, sounds dope let's do it all right all right so that's great um i think it is time for us to get into our hot topic um and like we said we are focusing on workplace culture um, so today's topic, surviving workplace culture. Oh, man, like culture. Oh, culture, you know I love to talk this, about culture. This, is, this, is, this topic, um, and why I'm taking the stance that my employer shall forever remain nameless, because I'm kind of dealing with this at work. I know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We're always dealing with this at work. We, on both, and It's... I feel like it's usually in an extreme. Like it's either a really positive experience or a really shitty experience. Yeah. And like let's get into it, right? So the focus of workplace culture has become a shifting topic as millennials enter and ascend into the corporate workplace. Um so obviously we're gonna discuss the importance of workplace culture and its impact on agency space. Um one of the articles that Karina has been so gracious to share with us actually talks uh actually discusses how culture is the most powerful way in which an agency can establish chemistry and display a real point of difference and i thought that that was um important they also go further in this article uh who was this written by lorraine rojek back in 2009 so this ain't this ain't new right <laughs> this ain't new but she also goes further to talk about how um 
a distinctive culture is probably the most powerful way in which an agency can establish chemistry um like and keep their promises like your culture is your promise so when you enter into a binding into your binding contract if you will once they start paying you that's your contract with your agency outside of you doing your work what are you getting back in return and i feel like that is the piece of culture that we don't discuss we don't get pensions in advertising anymore people aren't out here having like anymore. you know banging what? i mean back in the day people got pensions in just about every industry can we bring that back no okay. nobody got money <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Um, you know, everyone's everyone's retirement plan isn't popping as it probably could be or should be. So what else are we staying here for? Mm-hmm. The c- wages are competitive. You, I say it all the time. You can go to any agency and make the money you want, right? Pretty much. Why am I giving you my loyalty? And that culture is, for me, that is the the currency for loyalty. That is the exchange for for loyalty as a currency. So let's get into it. I mean, I think it where we should probably start is how do we define culture? Because I feel like what you're talking about. Well, yeah. About so the first is, question we got is what does culture fit mean to, to, to you? See, so like when the way that you were talking about culture sounds like perks. Like, what are the perks for being here? To me, culture is it's what all of us at the table, what everyone who's at this agency, when we contribute authentically. Contri- authentic- contribute. <laughs> it's always funny when you say that. You have an accent we say and- contribute. <laughs> we say contribute and you say contribute. Like contraband. You have an accent. <laughs> right? Sorry. All right. <laughs> um, contribute. <laughs> um, like, it, to me, culture is what organically happens when we all contribute to the environment authentic, authentically. When you described it just now, I was thinking about, you kind of described it as like, it's what I'm getting out of this. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like those, that sounds like perks. To me, culture is being able to, like what happens when people show up authentically? If you are... Different than everyone else. How are you treated? To me, that's that's the culture. It's it's there. To me, it's a good culture is always evolving because as people come and go, the culture shifts a little bit because someone new is adding something to the table. The way that when I was going through those articles, the way that I feel like she described culture is what a lot of agencies use as a barrier to keep people of color out. Because when you start defining a culture and you're saying, well, this person isn't a culture fit, well, if you're truly inclusive, then what does that mean? Everyone who isn't an asshole should be a culture fit because you're saying that we want everyone to bring their authentic selves to the table, so why wouldn't someone be a culture fit? Well, let's take a step back because I do think that it's something you get out of it. I also do feel like you do have to contribute to it. So to me, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I've always said in order for you to have an inclusive culture, I have to feel welcomed at the table, right? Mm -hmm. 
but what that means is that what I'm getting out of that is something that I'm a part of. So to me, it's energy. And I don't feel that everybody, quote unquote, is going to be a culture fit. And we'll get into this down the line. This is why I don't necessarily like the idea of using culture fit as a reason why not to hire somebody or why to hire somebody. Um, the culture is in your friend group and in, in, in even in our dynamic, we have a culture. We have a culture that everyone cannot, will not be feel comfortable within. And it's not that we're not necessarily being inclusive, but it's we have a comfortable cadence with how we speak to each other. We have a we have a comfortable way of how we deal with each other. I mean, you made a comment before we even started recording. Like, I just feel like I see you guys all the time. Everybody that does stuff like this does not see each other all the time, and they're not always okay with it. And that is just our culture, a very family-based culture that, yes, we contribute to, but if you are not a person that is here or down for that, you may not necessarily um, you may not necessarily want to be a part of that or feel comfortable being a part of something mm -hmm. like that. I think the culture is what encourages us to stay, whatever that thing that je ne sais quoi, whatever, right? The culture is what encourages people to stay. The culture is what retains people now in an era where people, people's um, morals and values cannot be bought. And I think along with us, you know, what we were talking about earlier with, with agencies and DNI, a lot of people aren't honest about that. It is you bringing your most authentic self to work, but is your authentic self what we're looking for? Here's where I think it gets fucked up in the agency world. When you don't appreciate my authentic self at the table, but you in turn turn around work that you feel should represent authentic selves like mine, that's an issue. When you're going out into the world and you're saying we don't necessarily want people or men of color, let's say, working with us because they might be too hostile or we feel like they're not enthusiastic with our work, but yet still you want to go out there and push out work for Nike or push out work for Bevel or push out work for Adidas or push out work for the NBA and you want to take pictures with all of these people because you like being uh, authentically adjacent to our culture, but you won't necessarily want to work with people that actually live and breathe and die this culture. That's an issue for me. That's fake. That's not authentic. That's not you bringing your authentic selves. And I, I think that there are agencies and companies and brands that are authentic. And I think there are those that try to mask um, their intentions, their intentions as authenticity, and yet still fail. And that is how you end up at a damn panel discussion with CEOs <laughs> and CFOs and CCOs talking about how they still aren't sure how to fix their diversity problem because they're not being authentic mm. about their own culture and their own preferences. I think, you know, for, I have three points about culture fit. I do think that the agency or a group, they set the culture that they want to have and they find people who align to that, to their mission or to their culture. And then there's, finding a culture that where you can be more of yourself, where you feel like, you know, your work is going to matter and you, if you care, because that's that too. And then there is that exchange because, you know, in this industry, 
you can, you don't have to be loyal. If you want to make money somewhere else, you most certainly can jump. Like, and will. That's what everybody does. There's like no loyalty. But if you feel comfortable in that culture, you're like, you know, I could go somewhere, but I can produce my best work here and I will do that. I can be my best self here. Right. I, I can't, I tell people all the time, like, especially like as, as a producer working with um, people across multiple disciplines, I cannot expect the best out of people mm-hmm. that don't even feel at their best. Right. The dissonance for me is if if I know that a resource or a person, because these are people, a person is having a shitty day, a shitty moment, they're going through a rough patch in their life or whatever, how do I then turn around and say, I need you to be able to give me your most creative work? I can't. I honestly can't. And I think it's the same thing I think that 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 is that understanding of culture that in order for you to be your best, you have to feel your best. You have to be in an environment that allows you to bring out the best within yourself. That is important. And it's hard to describe what the culture is, but we know what the culture does and we know how to how to make the culture do what it needs to in order to help retain people. And I think that like that is an interworking of like diversity and inclusion because diversity you know you recognize that you need different types of people who look different all who true diversity but the inclusive part is letting people feel comfortable to be a hundred percent of themselves you know or bring a hundred percent of themselves to work Mm -hmm. to make great work so when you were talking like i feel like you talk and i and i guess this is a question for the room which is is there a difference between culture, like the way that we define it, which is like everyone or organically contributing them, their authentic selves to this thing, the je ne sais quoi, and then work culture? Because to me, what you, what you kind of described, which was like, how does somebody react in a work environment in regards to pressure? in regards to things going on in their personal lives. Like, to me, there are people who, there are work cultures where, I I would say like the work isn't as, the work is always important, but there are those cultures where people are willing to, yo, we're gonna work through the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like everyone, like, forget your weekend plans, we're working through the weekend, and then there are other cultures where it's like, all right, so we're gonna get this done. But everyone goes home at six o'clock. Like mm-hmm. we shouldn't be here past six o'clock. And to me, like those mm-hmm. is, is that what you're talking about? Because like to me that's those are like almost two different things. I don't think that they're two different things. I think they're two different approaches, but it's essentially what do we believe? What are our values? That's culture. What what is the va- what what do we feel makes a person valuable? What do we feel makes them creative? What do we feel makes them worthy of a of of being paid. I feel like I feel like those are just two different approaches and that culture fit is not going to be the same everywhere, which is why if you're using culture fit as a reason why you cannot diversify your uh your talent pool, it's because you're not looking deep enough. Hmm. Okay, so 
you're to me like what you're saying is basically like there's a value system yeah like every every employee has a value system and i guess the question is should that value system revolve around when you're when you're looking for a culture fit when you're saying someone is a culture fit should that value system re revolve around how that person works and or who that person is depends on what is important what is the value what are what's the company's value okay if we take a step back and we look at any culture let's we could talk about hip-hop we could talk about american culture whatever if we talk about american culture things that are important the idea of freedom not necessarily the practice but the idea of freedom is important to american culture right the idea of prosperity not exactly the pra the practice of it but the idea that people should be prosperous or what is it the the pursuit of prosperity and the pursuit of happiness yeah. those are values and for us that is what that is what separates american culture and even why people celebrate whatever the hell they want to call the 4th of july independence day 4th of july whatever that's what separates what we do versus somebody let's say in France, how they celebrate what is important to French culture, you know? So if we go down, if we parallel that to agency culture, are you all about, are we all about the money? Is it all about the Benjamins right now? Are we as an agency all about the people? We want strong people to create creative work or are, are we judging ourselves or judging our success by the kinds of, uh, of accolades that we receive because of the work we're doing. And I feel like that drives the culture. Yeah. If you have a culture that is about the people, then you might be the kind of agency to let folk go home to take care of their families, take their PTO, take their sick days, take care of themselves. If you are the agency that is just about the work and we know can just passed, and there are a few, maybe it's not a few, publicists just yeah. said, fuck that, we're not going for a while. We need to reevaluate ourselves. Yep. You know, a, an agency like publicists is about their, their actual, like, their internal work. Yeah. Agencies that are just here for the awards are there for the awards. Like, if we're not getting awards, we're not valuable. And I feel like that is what defines the culture. That is a cornerstone for the culture. I mean, that's, that's, that's legit. I just, I just feel like. But to your point, the, the reason it gets, I feel like the reason that it becomes so confusing to people is because people think approach is culture. Your approach is not the culture. The end goal is, the end goal is probably the best way to summarize your culture. Or prove your success in the culture. I don't think that. I understand how you're saying it, but I think in the context that most people use, I don't think this person is a culture fit for us. It's not about the end goal. It's about who that person is. I know. I know. I agree. I agree. It's wrong, which is why I don't like I don't necessarily believe that. He or she is not a culture fit is the best reason. Somebody saying that he or she is not a culture fit is not the best way to maybe not describe her. That's not the best um, rationale for not hiring somebody. Because if your idea of culture fit is, this person doesn't like to drink on weekends. I don't think I'd get along with them. This person likes to read these kinds of books. This person says things, says, 
words like dope, and I don't say that. So therefore, they're not a culture fit. You, as somebody who did not create this company and does not drive the, the value system of the company, cannot actively um, justify why those things don't ladder up to your to the goal. I think culture the I think culture has become such a widely used word like woke like or diversity. like diversity <laughs> and it's a blanket instead of actually focusing on what the meaning is. You for me to tell you that you do not you are not a culture fit is for me to tell you that you you do you and I do not have the same end goal. But and I think that's important. If we have the same end goal to me, that's a culture fit. I have a side question. Like, if so, what if you meet, you're applying for a job at some place and you're focused on making great work, but the agency is focusing on like people? You wouldn't be a culture fit, exactly. right? Exactly. I mean, and that's and that's that's that's. I think that's a oh shit. That's what I'm experiencing at work <laughs> because I'm focused on work. I don't necessarily care about being a part of a sorority or you know the breakfast club like that's just <laughs> so petty. i already have friends i don't need but any listen, more friends no no and, and and here's the thing because i've been having a lot of conversations with upper management about this which is yes being a team player and being a part being having positive energy is definitely a part of succeeding in this business as a person of color, because you can never just really come to the table and just kind of like be yourself. Like this is this is the way that it is. And so to progress, I'm always focused on the work because if I'm not creating, I can't get promoted, I can't get raises, I don't get more opportunities to do stuff if I can't prove myself. And so for people who, a lot of people where I work, and I've had these conversations with them, have had this conversation with people there, which is, don't you, aren't you concerned about your portfolio? Like, aren't you not worried about the fact that you've been junior for two years and you're not like excelling as at the rate of your peers at other agencies? And they're just kind of like, well, no, I don't really think about it like that. Like, you should have saw where we were two years ago. I don't care where you were two years but that's ago. That's okay, but that's, I think, and that's, that's important because we have had this conversation offline. Like, everybody is not here for that. Like, I don't value, I can't value myself based off of the work I've produced. I don't value myself based right. off of the work I produced. You do. So, where you're saying I can't get, prom I, I can only get promoted if I'm producing work. I can think of countless ways to get produce to get promoted without just producing work. Because my biggest value to myself is my interactions with people around me and 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 I think that's what makes makes me a good producer and allows me to grow. What are the other ways that I can help my team or make people feel better? If that's not what your goals are, those aren't the ways that you uh, justify your success, 
and that is the way everybody else around you justifies their success, say it. Say you it. are not the culture fit. Right? <laughs> 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 oh, you know, I said it in my head. I was like, I but like, are we allowed to do you want us to but, say but this on, on the but air? Listen, <laughs> but listen, but that's not a bad thing. Like, I think that people like to use culture fit as a way to kind of uh, be condescending. But that's not real. When you go into your interviews and you look at these people and you talk to them, you know what you're bringing to the table. Now, here's some real shit. They might lie to you to get you to come in the door. Hey, happens all the time. Happens all the, all the time. And that's why. Hook, line, love and you. sinker. Because, <laughs> and this is why it's important, like, to when you go on your interviews and when you talk to people and you meet people within the industry, to be very clear and vocal about your intentions. I know for a fact that when you went into that interview for the place that shall not be named... You told them what you were looking for. And here we are years later, you have not been able to, they have not been able to keep their promise. If we're talking about culture as a promise based on what you, based on your expectations. And I think that is very fair to be like, listen, I'm focused on the work. Y'all are focused on being friends, being friends and just having um, cute, sexy clients on your roster but I want to do cute, sexy things with the cute, sexy clients on your roster, not just being able to put them on the the, the damn monitors in the lobby. And I think that's fair. I think that is fair. Me, I want to come to work, and I want to feel like I'm in a creative environment where the, t- the team that I work f- with feels that they have everything they need to accomplish their goals like you. I want them to feel like you, but I don't need to necessarily be sitting here and seeing my shit on the moon. High key, that was the funniest shit ever. <laughs> while we don't have monitors, there was a project that went out a couple of weeks ago where they took screenshots of all the projects and hung them up in plaques. Oh. <laughs> 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 I was like, I just, I mean, so this, what? This, this, this priority. I, I, I mean, I just, I think it's, I think it's important. I think, I think the the notion that culture is the promise that the agency makes to you is really important. Yeah. Well, because I, I, that's what that's what's selling it into you. And once you realize that that's not in line with what your aspirations are or that you're not in line with their aspirations, I think that is an important conversation. I don't think that and maybe that's what we maybe that's what we get into next, right? What are the what are the ways to spot and identify workplace culture? See, so I, I think one of, one of the key things that you, just kind of going back to what you were saying before about the value system, right? So you go into an interview and from the moment that you start speaking with the recruiter, you start putting your values on the table because part of one of the key questions that they ask you is, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And why are you looking to move? Mm -hmm. What are you looking for next from, you know, from us? And so you start putting your, your value system on the table. So for me, I never really thought about it as like, define that part as culture but that's kind of what i was identifying which is this is the type of work that i want to do this is the type of work that i've done this is what these are the white spaces that i that i see in the industry this is the spaces these are the spaces that i want to play in and so when you have these interviews it's kind of like dating and these agencies are for lack of better terms, they're fuckboys. Like, listen, they, they listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. If Rob Kardashian <laughs> taught us anything in the last week or whatever, right? It's 
if you're not going to be real about what you want with people and what your expectations are and you continue to let them kind of walk over you, you're going to experience what you're experiencing now. Yeah. And and to be clear, since we're not naming it, Simeon is just having a culture fit clash, if you will. You can tell. <laughs> at, at you can it tell. was cute, right? He's having a culture <laughs> fit clash. And I feel like we've all been there. Karina, you were there at your last place. I know I've been there at a couple yeah. places before where it's kind of like what, how I – how I value my work and my ethic and myself is not lining up with the place that I spend the majority of my time day to day, hour to hour, week to week, month to month, year to year. And this is the shit that makes me want to go home. And if I'm not pushing you off the bridge, bitch, I'm hoping I forget how to jump because I just can't <laughs> take it. Anymore. Like it really gets to like those kind no, of moments. It's, it's, and, it's, I, and I think that, and I think that this it's, it's just really important. Um, but going back but, to your question, you can't, there's, it's really hard to identify that in the beginning stages because like fuckboys or like, or like, but, or like anyone who, who is in it for, for self, they will always say the right things at the right time. Yes. And whether so you, you gotta see, ask trippy questions. Yeah. Whether, like you gotta you, do. I mean, like you can ask as many tricky questions as you want to. So but your situation's a little different because the, the person that you interviewed with is not the person that you ended up working with, and that is the bait and switch. No, I mean I I, I interviewed with my boss, so huh? like, I I interviewed with my I boss. Okay. So I mean I right, I actually don't care at this point. <laughs> I know you don't. That's why I was like, I mean, I, well, I, 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 I interviewed with a few different people, but the only one that I only I interviewed with like five different people, but I only ended up working with two of those people. Everyone that I spoke to, we were having very detailed conversations about work because I didn't really care what you think about me. It was kind of like, yeah, we had like the small talk, but it was all focused around work. This is the type of work that I want to do. This is how do you guys do this? How do you guys do that? So all the right questions were asked at all the right times. But then when you actually immerse yourself into the the culture and the situation and you actually start working and you people because that's really where you where people start to show who they are and how they like to work is when you actually start doing the work because the key words for this industry are floating around and we all know them mm -hmm. and everyone knows how to use them in the context to sound smart to quote ad age to quote ad week to use you know what i'm saying so people say the right things at the right times but when you start working and you actually have to put the, that value system into play, that's where shit goes crazy. It's definitely where shit goes crazy. Go ahead, I, I think what has been successful for me, because I think at the current place I'm at now, I, I, I feel the most um, comfortable that I've had in prior agencies is being a sneaky, being a sneaky bitch and like doing your research before the interview Right. Yeah, and like when a re when a recruiter reaches out to you, when that happens, you know, I do look to see if anyone I know has worked there before, and I and I may do my little glass door filter, and then I start asking people questions. But not only that, I have my own candid filter of what's important to me. Right. Like I don't. The thing is, like when you go to any place, you kind of have to, in my opinion, you have to apply it with a mission, like. If I'm gonna be work at this place, I'm working at this place with the intent of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just working there to work there, 
Now, what is that? Like, you're just working to work. You can work anywhere then. That's the way I see it. Right. I mean, aside from aside from just that, I think there are, are easy questions to ask. Like, how do you devi- define success? Like, as an individual. Not, yeah. Like, and, and truly getting people to, to tell you what is important to them. Right. Also, asking them about, to your point, the shit that you've seen on Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. And, and confronting them about this person said X, Y, and Z is that has that been your experience? Is this true? Also, if this isn't a new position that they're opening because or or rather if this is a position that somebody has left, why did that person leave? And some people don't feel comfortable asking. Hey, babe, go ahead and put, put yourself in a situation you ain't going to like if you want to. Right. That's an important question. Well, what happened to the last person in my place? What and, was that experience like? And yeah. let them tell you easy things. Like either they, either the person left because they had a better opportunity, which means that you guys don't provide the best opportunity, or the person left because they weren't getting along with people. And I think that's fair also. Um, but it, at least it lets you know it lets you know where you are in the world with all of this. Yeah, and then listen, you know, so all that, all that, to me, all that culture fit questions should happen in part of your research of the place. Like, just because there's an agency that's reaching out to you, I've had agencies that reached out to me, and I'm like, no, never. And also, listen to the types of questions they're asking you. Right. Like, what are they trying to pull pull out of you? right. Right. And, for me, I think one of the best questions that I ask is like, I mean, I'm on this, I'm on the podcast, like I speak candidly about diversity and inclusion. And I've asked people in interviews, like I do a podcast, will that be a problem? And I get varied answers. And obviously the person who gave me the answer that I was looking for, I'm working for That's now. Right. So, but it's both ways. There are ways to, there are ways to, to, there are ways to spot it ahead of time. There are ways to spot it while you're, in there um but it's important to be honest with yourself and it's important for employers to also be honest with themselves as they are going through hiring process your culture is not that you like to drink your culture is not like you that you like to read your culture is not like you not that you like to i don't know go feed the feed the hungry for thanksgiving your culture is that we want to help people we want to have industry defining work as our bar for success we are uh innovators we are scientists we are some like who are you mm-hmm. and that is your culture and that is what will beam down um from the from the top from the top to the people at the bottom right as mid-level professionals though do we have the power to shift our agency's workplace culture? From my experience, you, you, I absolutely feel like I have. Okay. I feel opposite. Okay. You go first. You're more than I. I mean, mine is different. Mine is different. I'll let y'all go. So at an agency that I, at an agency that I used to work at, um, before I left, um, I set some fires and you wrote, you, I mean, you lucinded them. So, 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 so here, here's, here's the thing about me setting fires, which is, and it's part of the reason why I do the podcast, and I've said this before, which is to be in communications is to understand the power of being able to communicate. True. And being able to, whether it's externally, 
in society change culture or internally at your agency change culture, being able to make compelling arguments to make something shift. And so before I, before I left, it was, these are all the ways y'all are fucking up. Mm-hmm. These are all the reasons why I'm leaving. Um, these are all the things that I think you could be doing better, but y'all ain't shit, so I'm out. And speaking to people who are still there, they went and hired a bunch of black people. Like, I can't speak to what that experience is like for them, but to me, that was a step forward where it was like, oh, why, why are you talking to me when we're talking about diversity and inclusion? Why are you talking to me about high school students? They're eight years out. Let's right. start talking about people who you can impact today. Right. And so to see them go from like 10 black people to like 25 black people was like, all right, cool. I set this fire and that helped change the culture a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think there there is a way that it can be done. But if we're talking about mid-level, it's probably not going to be with your immediate boss. Your immediate boss is can probably help you steer you in the right direction. But you're going to have to jump over he or she's head to go to the top, which is where I had those conversations. It was having conversations with people who are C-suite and saying, well, you said X, Y, and Z about diversity and inclusion, but I'm here to tell you that I'm the one who's experiencing it and you're not living up to it. So to, to, to really have an impact on changing the culture, like you have to go to the people who are basically uh, creating the precedent for the culture, right. who are setting the value. And, that, yeah. and I think that that varies from agency to agency. I think that varies based on agency size as well. I agree. Who are the key stakeholders that when they speak, others up top listen? And then who are the micro stakeholders who, when they speak, those at the bottom fall in line to listen to the, the higher up stakeholders? I think that's really important to identify whenever you go anywhere in whatever industry and in whatever setting and your friend group when you at the club like it's really important to pay attention to the people who have the attention right and who when and who can activate um when we worked when like i would say to me when we worked together um why do you gotta talk about that well because i think it's important (laughs) what because i think it's important i think it's really important like Mm -hmm. there were there were people there who Probably, I would say, agreed with a lot of the things that we were saying. I think there were people there who, um, bosses, managers, whomever, that probably understood a lot of our struggles that we were experiencing. The problem was they weren't the ones that could get people to activate. They were the ones that had to take orders. Those aren't the people that that you as a mid-level person are going to be able to speak your mind to and inflict or, or cause change. In my last couple experiences working at a smaller uh, smaller agencies, the experience has been, listen, excuse me, I had to burp. The experience has been, okay, I want to talk to the person who makes rules. May not necessarily be the the founder, CEO, whatever. But it's the person who um, has their ear. 
if it's not themselves already. Right. I also want to talk to the people that feel like they don't have a voice because that's a good way to check yourself. Like, am am I crazy or is this shit just fucked up? Or am I crazy? Is this amazing? What are the people that feel like they don't have a voice? What are they feeling? Because once you start speaking about shit that you're feeling as if it's personal, it's easy for people to shut down and stop listening because they think it's just your problem. Right. When they say there's strength in numbers, there's strength in numbers of opinions as well. And when you can say that you have a handful of people that are also experiencing the things that you're describing, it makes it easier for those, let's call them key stakeholders, to listen to you. And I feel like that is how, as a mid-level person, you A, garner the kind of support that you need from your peers, who are at your level and below and also garner respect for people that are key stakeholders who if they're if it's your manager if it's your managers and your manager's manager if it's hr if it's c-suite if it's whomever those are the leaders that are going to look look to you because even with the point of this podcast we're speaking we're speaking from the perspective of the people who are not c-suite we haven't been in the industry that long to to say that we should be there or need to be there but we know our experience well and we know the people that are like us well and that is that that's how that's how we're able to shift culture so i mean i think i think you pointed out a a key thing which is to be able to change the culture you need to make sure that you're not making it about you right right um and so the the conversations i've been having and the conversations that i had at previous agencies were not necessarily about me because I usually establish like, all right, cool. So I'm probably going to be out soon. So I'm just kind of giving you guys. Giving you heads up, I will be out. I mean, but I, but, we have but, an but this date is on this relationship. But, but it's the reality, right? So a lot of times, what I do is I caveat it, which is with the sentiment that I don't want anyone, especially younger creatives of color, to feel how I'm feeling in this moment. Mm-hmm. Because okay. if you're talking about retention. Me, who is older and hits... You are older. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was coming. (laughs) Who's who's older and, like, hits hits this wall where I'm just like, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want to say. Like old people. Sorry, that's not. Right. I mean, but but no, but it's the reality. So it's 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 talking about people who are able to advocate for themselves. So us knowing that people don't necessarily a lot of creatives of color don't necessarily come from places where they're taught how to navigate in this system. Right. And so they eventually leave. And if we really want to get technical, I mean, not technical, but go deeper, like look at old boy from Uber who killed himself. So you, you, you start Mm -hmm. putting it in a bigger perspective where you're saying, well, what exactly am I trying to change and why? Mm -hmm. So there's us who we may just quit. Mm. We may go in and, be rabble rousers, but then there's other people who we know are, are going home and they don't know how to cope. So if you're going in and you're making a statement about culture saying, well, you may not be hearing this from anybody else. And these are the reasons why you may not be hearing this from anybody else. But me as a person of color, I'm giving you a perspective to let you know that other people are probably feeling the same thing. So if you want us to stay, you need to address it. Right. I think what you that having those check-ins are just so vital because mm-hmm. when you see something wrong and you want to change, when you're the only one, it can come off as complaining. And mm-hmm. it's like it, it silences your voice because you don't have that backup. 
So when you're able to connect and check in with others, like, am I going crazy or is it just me having those moments? It ain't you. That gives you more, what? It ain't just you. It ain't just you. And that actually adds more fuel, Mm -hmm. you know, to to know that there's something that needs to be done. There needs to be course correction. You know, and I, I think with culture fit, like, especially with agencies, like, they come, they spend so much time with their little in agency strategy crew to make some mission to make the right. idea they want to they want to they wanna create these poetic right. stanzas of what we feel who we feel we are when it's like bruh it is, what yeah. are you trying to do at the end of the day i don't care about the cute words <laughs> and the sat words and the the cute powerpoint the little powerpoint what are but you trying to do at the end to of the your day? Point but, but, earlier, you talked about the value system, and that's kind of what if your value to do. is. If you're so okay, so this is something. I but was wait, but my ahead. thing is, like, they spend it. so much time vetting it that it's not open to change or to be course corrected or to be edited. Well, it's that di- it's it's diluted and it's not real because it doesn't really reflect the culture. It doesn't reflect real cultures because real culture is basically you're saying that these people are creating exactly. it in a silo. They're not exactly. going down to the mid-level and the juniors exactly. and saying, well, what, what matters to you so that we can implement that in this value system that we're creating? It's a top-down it's a top-down strategy, and people who it's usually affecting are going, well, nah, we're not, we're not, <laughs> we're right. not doing this. Right. So I think that's, that's the problem with these poetic, like, this is, it's what we, fake. this is what we stand for now. It's fake. It's fake. And we talking about authenticity, like, within culture. Listen, you think about the, the your favorite trip to, to an outside country or city or state, and, and I guarantee that what made you love it so much was the culture. It wasn't yeah. the thing you could put one finger on. You had to put multiple fingers on it because it was something you felt. It was something that people gave off. And that is the way that businesses, that is the way business in general should understand or, or yeah, that's, that's what they should understand about what culture is. Culture is not a, a vision statement. It is not a mission statement. Culture is how we as a collective approach the end goal Hmm. you have a lot of these companies out here that will make you think that they have good culture because they give you certain perks like you were saying like physical perks but the reality is if the culture is that you don't care about retention then that may not be for everybody if the culture is that um we want to talk about people the way we feel like it and nobody should feel comfortable speaking up, speaking their mind, then be clear. Your culture is not inclusive. Every culture is not inclusive, but it is important as we continue to navigate our ways, our way through our careers to identify that and to be real about it. And for us, if we as mid-levels, mid-levels as we grow to senior and, and C-suite level, potentially that we identify that and we speak out against if we don't advocate for people we can't advocate for culture we can't demand we can't demand an inclusive culture if we we don't feel that everybody should be included or that everybody who wants to be included deserves to be included Hmm. one of the things that people like some employers say is that they don't look for culture fit which is something that i agree with a little bit and only the right person 
for the job. And Karina, your question earlier was like, is that even possible or is that being irresponsible? My take on it is I, I am okay with saying I'm not looking for a culture fit. How I'm looking for how are we about to get this work done? Okay. I mean, that's, that's, how are we like, and because, because, because I have to work with you. Right. You, like I said, Simeon likes to just heads down, do the work, collaborate to get the work done. Let's get out of here, go get a drink. I don't need to be here all day. I'm a little bit more flexible. I like to like the people I'm working with. And not necessarily that I like you and I will hang out with you outside of work. We don't have to be best friends. But when we work together, are we cool? I mean, I, I, I strive for the coolness, too. Like, we, we just need to be cool. Like, I just need you not to say irresponsible, racist shit. And but that's a cultural fit. But that's what I'm saying. But how we're describing, I think it's how we're describing it. So when people say, like, because I also think, and how, what's the best way to say this? I think a lot of people, like, I keep using this. I'll never forget, <laughs> I'll never forget at a past agency, um, agency I was at before the before where I am now, there was a comment that we don't want to hire this person because they don't, it doesn't seem like they like to hang out and stuff. And I was like, but this person has a great book and they're really friendly and okay maybe they don't drink but you know maybe there are other things that we can do or maybe we don't need to do anything with them outside of these four walls between Monday and Friday you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. and to me when you don't understand culture when your culture is not clear or your value systems are not clear I think it is very difficult to justify culture fit because you put it and everyone doesn't have a um a definitive value system so in my agency the value system is attitude awareness and ownership those are key values that i when i became familiar with the agency immediately um clinged to because i felt like those are concrete values that I can use to justify whether or not I am doing successful, worthy work. Mm. I can say that I am am showing um, that I take ownership of my work and here's how I do it. I can say that I'm having a positive attitude and these are the ways that my attitude is is positive. I can say that I am aware of my surroundings and aware of my people, and these are how I execute on those things. When you come to me talking about culture fit and you don't have 5, 10, 15, 20, 3, 1, however many pillars for me to actively be able to justify myself against, you're not real. And I don't want to hear nothing about culture fit until you can outline for me what this culture is and how everybody else that was hired here um, applies to that culture, how those cultural values apply to those people. I mean, that's and that's that's real. So, in my current clash, <laughs> in my current <laughs> culture clash, clash, that was a, a question that I proposed, yep. which is, you are putting your perception of who I am in this negative context, and so my retort to them was, well. Do you apply the same thing to everyone else? Like, and the the exact quote was uh, lack of enthusiasm, which I translated to this black person is lazy. And so I said, well, 
do you hold everyone else up to this whole to the same lack of enthusiasm standard and then now i want you to define that i yeah. want you to de to define what enthusiasm is and then let's hold that lens up to everyone to here everyone and yeah and say well is everyone laddering up to this and i think that's the problem which is mm -hmm. They talk about culture fit. I think we started this conversation off with this, which is you talk about culture fit, but you don't, you haven't defined it. Mm -hmm. You haven't defined what is this. And, and I'm glad you said value system because now we could just kind of use that to streamline mm -hmm. it, which is what is this value system that you are holding everyone up to when you are interviewing people and you're saying this person isn't a culture fit. Well, what is this value system that 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 you're you're um, using to measure them with? Right. And a lot of times, it what the problem with this industry is, especially when it comes to diversity and inclusion, they're they're using their own, for lack of better words, personal biases yep. as right. the exactly. measurement, and they're saying, "Well, this person isn't a culture fit." I mean, and the, and the real true. thing is, I may not be your culture right. fit, but what does that have to do with? The, us within this business the within work. this yes. organization right. how does that apply to the work and that's why when people say i don't look for culture fit i don't get mad at that because unless you can identify those core values of your culture mm -hmm. right you cannot tell me i'm not a culture fit it's a value mm. it's a value it fit. is a value like, system do, do our values line up yeah. right right and, and i think that and maybe and, and maybe that is a better way to explain it or a better way to ask people why you don't feel that I'm a culture fit. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not coming to me out the gate and telling me what your values are, if you're making them up as you go along, well, you have shitty values any fucking way. Right. Because you're not, cause you're not <laughs> even real about yours. And, Boom. And, and to that point, I think we've all probably seen things floating around where people get rejected from jobs and recruiters have said, well, you know, they didn't feel like you were a culture fit. And people have asked this question, which is, well, why didn't you feel like this? And I it's have usually in the past. virtual silence. Yep. Like yeah. no one ever responds because it ain't real. Yeah. Like you, you're not using you real yes. a real value yep. system to measure these people. You're basically saying, "Well, I, I, I didn't, didn't like I, you. I didn't like you. Exactly. And you know what? And let's be real about this. Let's not get mad when people say they didn't like you. Let's just take your talents to South Beach. <laughs> like, mean, everyone can be growth, LeBron. It is but. growth. Everybody's not going to like you. And honestly, you have dodged a bullet because you were either going to find that out now or they were going to hire you and you do right. good work. You were going fi to find that out later the harder way. Mm. But I mean, but here's the thing about the value system and being able to, like, you can legit use that value system and measure somebody up and like, you know, I don't, I don't really like this person. But when they ask you why I'm not a culture fit, you're like, well, look, we like to work through the night. We, none of us have kids. None of us have families. Like the, the way that we work is we grind until 2 a.m. and we get shit done. Nobody works from home. And you know what, quite frankly, like you already said that some, you know, Fridays you like to work from home. And that's just not how we roll around here. So <laughs> and, and it's real. And like, it's I think real. people, it's real. and people get offended with shit like that. But it's like, you can't get offended because yes, you want to work here. And yes, this has, the, we, we're paying the money you want, but if you can't roll the way we roll, right. or if I can't roll the way you roll, why are we even about to sit here in this relationship? Right. We mm. spend the majority of our time with our co-people. They're not even co-workers. Right These are the people that we cohabitate with. Right. Like, if this was sleep time, the, like you go home and you sleep the same amount of hours, or try to at least, that you basically work. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like, it is. It's 
those values, that culture, it is very important. It is very strong. And it is those value systems in the context of diversity and inclusion, which agencies and organizations should hold, hold themselves accountable to. Right. I mean, in real shit. Because you can find cognitive diversity like they want to call right. it and all that bullshit if you hold yourself true to your values. Once you start putting in this other shit and these biases that you're talking about, bro, you, you're, you're not real. We yeah. don't believe right. you. You need more people. Yes. And, and I mean, like, one of the key, thing, key things you said was relationship. Yeah. And so, like, I, I love the analogy of using relationships as a filter for employment because – a lot of people who are Christian, they ain't gonna marry no Muslim. Like a lot of people who are Catholic, they ain't gonna marry a Baptist because values. Like they don't want to be unequally yoked. They can tell you exactly why I don't want to be with this person, and it's based off of that value system. When you're able to define it and say these are the things that I hold important to me. These are the way. These are the ways that I get work done. These are the ways that we get work done as a collective, as a movement, as a company. This is how we get shit done. And quite frankly, after talking to you, I don't feel like you would get shit done the way that we get shit done. So, I don't think I don't think you're right for the position. Mm -hmm. But being able to define that, being able to actually articulate that, that is some shit that very few companies, agencies can do because right. they haven't defined it. All they have is a tagline. Mm -hmm. And a tagline don't mean anything if you haven't sat down and defined what that tagline ladders up to. Mm. It's a difference between a Insta model and a Wilhelmina model, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, time. <laughs> um, I think that was a great conversation. And I think, I think it challenged us to think in ways about culture that we haven't done so in the past and also allowing us to kind of narrow it down to like okay well what are the values like if we talk about hip-hop and like the culture of hip-hop where it's defined by your dj it's defined by your mc it's defined by the language we use it's defined um it's defined by the poetry of it and each of those characteristics ladder up to it as a culture and those are things that we or b-boy dancing and all that shit like those are things that we can actually align ourselves to those are things that we can discuss those are things that we can unpack those are our buckets essentially that we can justify and that is what that is how you are able to define like a hip-hop culture when you talk about latin culture it is language it is food it is percussion it is spirituality it is all of those buckets that you can define and justify you can't just come out here and talk and saying that you are about a culture or for the culture or by a culture without having buckets that you can utilize to justify your actions and your approach and your uh, your approach to thought. Um, and I think that is what is missing from a lot of these conversations. That's what gets missing from a lot of these diversity panels. So it gets missing from a lot of these ad age articles about diversity and inclusion and culture that don't actually offer any solution. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's how we need to begin to check each other and check ourselves when it comes to solving these issues within organizations um, specific to diversity, inclusion, and how we we are applied to culture. Word. Um, yeah. 
Even in relationships. Even in relationships. We give you like ad advice, diversity and inclusion advice, hip hop advice, and relationship advice, all rolled up mm. in one. In one. That's who we are. Those are our values. <laughs> Those, are <our> values. <laughs> Those are really our values. Most of my values line up to some hip hop shit. Most of mine do too. <laughs> I mean, and maybe like a bowl of arroz con pollo, whatever. Um, so with that, y'all got any final thoughts? No, no. I, still got to say. I think we said it all. It's over. Hey. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm hungry and ready to go home. So I guess we'll close out. So thank y'all for listening. Episode 29. Um, as you guys know, you can find us on the social media platforms on Instagram and on Twitter. We are at Ask Mixed Company. Um, and on email, on email, and email by email, what the fuck ever. <laughs> Our email is askmixedcompany at gmail.com. And of course, we're on Facebook um, at facebook.com backslash mixed company podcast. Um, so keep listening. Send us your suggestions for episodes. Let us know when we're fucking up or when we're doing great.